Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. Today's episode is a preview of the 2022 U.S. Open. I can't wait. Quarter by quarter, dark horses, upset alerts, popcorn matchups, quarterfinal predictions, final weekend predictions. It is all coming your way. I'm really excited for the Open. I should say, um, and I do want to start while I have pretty much everybody who watches my channel is likely going to watch this video. So uh, I have a gig during the U.S. Open. I work for U.S. Open Radio. You can find that on the app. You can listen to me. Um, As a result, though, I have no idea what my content output is going to look like. That's the bad news. The good news is by Thursday, I'm back here in L.A., and I will be able to, you know, for the semifinals and the finals and all that full coverage on YouTube. So uh, that that would be the good news. Let me tell you where I stand right now. General thoughts. As I took my, I'm going to show you the back here. As I was filling out my draw today and thinking really hard about every single uh, meaningful matchup and, and all that. Let me tell you what was going through my head and how I feel about the current men's field right now. I believe we are in store for the most wide open U.S. Open that I can remember on the men's side. I think it's been a very long time since there has been so much uncertainty at the very, very top. It has been a long time since I have made a power rankings for a major, and I have felt as if number three and number 12 in the next out are as close as I feel like they are coming into this U.S. Open. So I believe we're in for chaos. I think there's going to be some wackiness. And as a result, I found myself making sure to take what the draw gave me. That's kind of the common thread on my picks this year. The players I picked, I feel like they're in good spots because they have good draws. Because at the end of the day, I see a lot of top players who uh, are not at 100% at the moment. They might be at 85%. They might be at 90%. And guess what? It's too competitive right now. It's not good enough. Even these top seeds, if they're at 80%, they're going to lose. They have to be 100. Uh, So I got a little crazy here. There's some strange picks. There's some wild picks. I was looking at my predictions last year for the U.S. Open. Djokovic over Zverev in the semis in five. Nailed that one. I had C- uh, I, Then I had Medvedev over Tsitsipas. Um, Tsitsipas lost in the third round to Alcaraz. Uh, and then I had Medvedev over Djokovic in the final. It was pretty good, but it was like, those are the top seeds. Those were the top seeds. And it's not like that this year. You guys are going to disagree with some of these picks. Um, And you should, because there should be a lot of different opinions about what's going to happen in a couple days from now and over the course of the next two weeks. There should be a lot of different opinions. And sometimes that's just not the case. Sometimes it seems like there are only a couple of scenarios that are realistically going to play out. 
and uh, doesn't feel that way. Canada wasn't like that. Cincinnati wasn't like that. Indian Wells wasn't like that. Miami wasn't like that. So this is where we're at right now. Without further ado, let's get to the preview. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I left something out kind of important. Uh, Novak Djokovic not being in the draw has a huge part of it's a huge part of the reason why this is even more wide open uh, than than normal. Um, so that's a massive factor that I need to not leave out. Right, uh, as much as there are questions about Nadal and Medvedev and Alcaraz at the very top that I'm referring to, uh, there's also no Novak Djokovic, and uh, that's sad. You know, it's unfortunate. I'm. I wish we. Uh, I wish Novak was was there. That's how it should be. But at the same time, uh, you know, you guys have noticed by now that uh, I am not here to uh, give my take on COVID policy. I'm taking a pass on that, and I'm sure that most people can respect that, unless you feel so strongly on one side or the other that you think it's an absolute disgrace that I don't want to say what my opinion is. But yeah, I have no interest in, no interest in giving my opinion on that. All right. I do have interest in giving my opinion on Daniil Medvedev's quarter. The top seeds are Medvedev, Felix Sojaliasim, Pablo Carreño Busto, Roberto Batista Gut, Alex Dimonor, Nick Kyrgios, Karen Hachinov, and Nicholas Basilashvili. My dark horse here, there's a lot of them. Uh, I think this quarter is excellent, by the way. Uh, Rusevori and Draper play in the first round. The winner takes on FAA. That's really juicy. Uh, I favor Rusevori. I think he's got the uh, you know such a solid backhand to just hold up to those lefty patterns, and uh, I do think that he can he can overpower Draper maybe from the back of the court a little bit. So I like Rusevori in that, but it's a tough call. And I think both are, are very dangerous opponents for Felix in the second round. Um, I didn't mean to have Tanasi Kokonakis in here, actually. Uh, however, yeah, I really didn't. I, I swear to God. Um, but he's in there. I forgot to delete him. I don't see him as a dark horse, but I do think that he can beat Kyrgios potentially in the first round. And that's why Nick is on upset alert for me. Now, do I favor Nick? Like, if you're telling me, you know, gun to my head who's winning, I pick Kyrgios. Uh, but I will say this about this uh, Kokonakis-Kyrgios match. Most players are able to play a close friend of theirs and just compartmentalize that and focus on the competition and it doesn't affect their performance much. Nick Kyrgios has been a mess trying to play Andy Murray. He just, he plays better. Nick plays better when he doesn't like the other guy. And as a result, actually, uh, he manufactures a lot of disdain towards tons of his opponents. And I feel like when he plays buddies, when he plays Francis Tiafo, for example, when he plays Andy Murray, there's a little bit of an edge missing. I don't think Nick deals with this particular situation very well. Most players, I would never pick that match. I would never be like, these guys are buddies, so I'm going to affect, uh, that affects how, what I think is going to happen in the match. Kyrgios is just, he's a different cat. We know that by now, right? He's a different cat. 
And uh, he's a cat that lacks some killer instinct when he plays his good buddies. And Kokonakis is his boy. I don't like that for Kyrgios. I think that's dangerous. So I think he's on upset alert. Uh, early popcorn is Carreño Busto versus Dominic Team in round one. Uh, I didn't think Team looked very good in Winston-Salem. He did get through a couple of matches. Beneficiary of a Grigor Dimitrov uh, retirement. Um so, look, I think PCB is going to win, but it's going to certainly be interesting. Team is kind of defending his 2020 title since he didn't play at the U.S. Open last year. So, uh, I don't think Karenia Busta is happy to see Dominic Team in his draw. I don't think PCB cares how Team has looked. You don't want to see Dominic Team because there's always in the back of your mind that concern that he's just going to play like Dominic Team. And obviously, that would be uh, difficult for Karenia Busta. This quarter, before I move on to my prediction, this quarter is loaded. Medvedev could make the semifinal. Kyrgios could make a semifinal. Bautista Gut, great head-to-head against Kyrgios. Great head-to-head against Medvedev. Those are his two seats. Pablo Carreño Busta can make the semifinal. Felix Ojealiasim made the semifinal last year. I love these conditions for him. He can make the semifinal. That's it. I'll end the list there. That's a lot of guys. This quarter is loaded. Here's my prediction. I have Pablo Carreño Busta defeating Daniil Medvedev in the quarterfinal. Karenia Busta took out Medvedev at the Olympics last year. Um, what you have with Daniil Medvedev from a matchup standpoint is two scenarios. You have some players that Medvedev doesn't like to play against because he doesn't have a shot tolerance advantage. That's Bautista Agut. That's Karenia Busta. Especially backhand to backhand when he doesn't find that uh, advantage in the trading, right? The second bad matchup for Medvedev is the net rusher, the Serban Volleyer. So those are the two guys. And look, Medvedev, there's Kyrgios, there's RBA, there's Karina Busta. Uh, even FAA is someone who, you know, when he did this in Australia, even FAA is someone who can uh, serve big and come forward. I don't know that FAA has a Serban Volley in him, but he has that, you know, serve plus approach that, uh, and the wide serve particularly to pull Medvedev out wide, go into the open court and come forward. Uh, he has that as well. So uh, I think that Medvedev, who there are concerns about coming in anyway, at least on my end, with uh, his confidence a little bit, the the serving level, that's the biggest thing for me, uh, and the pressure of being the defending champion um, and being the number one seed, which uh, I feel like we've seen at times Medvedev a little bit vulnerable to to being in that position, right? Indian Wells, he became world number one, didn't seem to deal with that well uh, when he lost to Gail Monfils, just as an example. So there are a lot of reasons why I'm hesitant to pick Daniil Medvedev to defend his title here. That was coming in. Then I saw the draw, and then I was then I was very kind of sure that I, I didn't want to move him through. Um, because if he had a, a great draw 
again, I wanted to let the draw kind of guide me here. You know, maybe I could have picked Medvedev to go all the way because I still think he's a top player right now. But this is a nightmare draw for him. Uh, let me address Kyrgios. Uh, RBA. He hates playing RBA. Bautista Gut has uh, seemingly always gets a, a does a really good job of returning Nick's serve, believe it or not. And I think the steadiness bothers Kyrgios. Uh, Nick tends to get bored sometimes in that matchup. Bautista Gut is the guy who took him out at last year's U.S. Open. As I said, I think the Kokonakis matchup is dangerous as well. So uh, I have RBA over Kyrgios in the third round. It's actually what I had at Wimbledon. And then Bautista Gut got COVID. And uh, I have some questions about how, how Nick is going to handle this mentally now. Uh, a major is a, a different, it's a different animal now. And I think he might feel some stress and some pressure. And I'm still not convinced that he handles that extremely well. I feel like the high, the the rush is kind of over for him. The streak is over for him. And I, I just feel like Kyrgios might cool off a little bit, as talented as he is. And uh, again, I don't like his draw. So Karenia Busta is the guy. Now it comes down to Karenia Busta and Felix. And uh, I like PCB's path, and I just feel like FAA's level has fluctuated so much that I really don't know what to expect out of him. And then here's another guy. Mentally, I feel like he's going to feel a lot of pressure defending semifinal points, and I don't know that he's ready for that. Uh, PCB lost in the first round last year to Maxime Cressy, who he was probably like super surprised by because nobody knew who Cressy was, and PCB was probably like, what the heck is this? And uh, Cressy played amazing in that match. I caught in the end of the fifth set, actually, and it was it was incredible. Uh, Karenia Busta has the best path here, and he's like the most steady and trustworthy guy here. So PCB back to the semifinal. That's my logic. Let's go to Stefanos Tsitsipas's quarter. Top seeds are Tsitsipas, Rude, uh, Taylor Fritz, Matteo Berrettini, Botic van de Zanschkult, Francisco Serendolo, Tommy Paul, and Maxime Cressy. My dark horse here is Sebastian Corda. Corda um, has had a tough year, hasn't been healthy, as per usual, uh, but he put together some victories in Atlanta, put together some good victories, impressive victories in Cincinnati. If he gets rolling, we know about his weapons, we know about his firepower, and by far, he's the unseeded player who stands out to me here. Uh, I also think that he's got a, a really really great section of the draw here. Uh, Tommy Paul in the second round, he's got a 3-0 head-to-head against Tommy Paul. Uh, then you look at Kaspar Ruud. Uh, he has a way better, he's way better backhand to backhand than Ruud. And he might be able to rush Kasper in a lot of aspects of the game. Um, and he can certainly handle, I think, uh, Ruud's weight of shot on the forehand. So Dark Horse Sebastian Corda here. Upset alert, I say wait until the third round. I go through the first round matchups here with the seeds. Uh, Tsitsipas versus Qualifier. Cressy versus Fucevic. Sarundalo, I think, will beat Murray. Uh, Berrettini versus Hugo Delian. Uh, Fritz Qualifier. Van de Zanschkult uh, versus Qualifier. Tommy Paul, Zapata Mirayas. Casper uh, Ruud against what will probably be a very rusty Kyle Edmund. There's no upsets there. I don't. I just don't see it. Uh, now, in the third round, you have some very interesting, uh, very some very interesting things going on with the top seeds. You have potentially Tsitsipas Cressy. 
Now, Cressy is not a player who I trust. Like, the margins are tiny in his matches. A lot of tie breaks. A lot of variance on his second serve. He can have a day where he's not double faulting. Incredible second serve. He can have a day where he keeps double faulting. And if you double fault, if you're Cressy, you double fault twice, three times in one game, you get your serve broken, you probably lost the set because you don't break serve enough. So uh, Cressy is not a trustworthy player, but he's only got to win two matches to get to Tsitsipas. And if he does, that's awful for Stefanos. That's another terrible third-round matchup for Stefanos. And he had Borna Chorich in 2020. He had Alcaraz in 2021. This ain't any better. It's not. Because the weakness of Stefanos Tsitsipas' game is the return of serve. The U.S. Open is lightning quick these days. And all you need to beat Cressy is a good return of serve. That's literally the skill that is required. So that's a nightmare for, for Tsitsipas. It really is. Um, also, Cressy seems to frustrate people mentally. And Tsitsipas has seemed uh, weirdly in and out. He's been in and out recently. I actually like the level. I like a lot of the tennis I've seen. It's honestly just some mental stuff that has had me scratching my head recently. All right. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Corda Rude is the other third round that I was referring to. Let's go to my prediction. I have Taylor Fritz defeating Matteo Berrettini. You might say, Gil, what are you talking about? First of all, Berrettini hasn't won a match on the North American hard courts. Probably a little bit overblown. Uh, given his opponents, given how close the matches have been. Well, sorry, Karenia Busta, he got killed. But I believe he lost, what, a third set tiebreak to Tiafo. Is that right? Let me let me fact check myself here so that I'm not getting it wrong. Uh, I think that Berrettini's struggles in form, probably a little bit overblown. Yeah, I was correct. It was a third set uh, tiebreak losing to Tiafo. Uh, probably a little bit overblown. You know, he's probably going to be fine here. Uh, he's a very difficult player to upset, especially in best out of five. And he's got an amazing draw here. It's really good. I mean, his run is Delian, clay court specialist, uh, Pablo Andujar or Tomas Martin Echeverry, clay court specialists, Francisco Sarundolo. This court's too fast for him. I, I love Francisco Sarundolo, but the court's too fast for him. Uh, Cressy. That's going to be tiny margins. Berrettini's just more clutch and more reliable than Cressy. Now he's in the quarters. <laughs> Boom. Uh, so I have Berrettini in the quarters. And then I have Taylor Fritz. Fritz has an incredible draw as well. He's got to be really happy. Uh, this quarter isn't so bad. I think there's opportunity in this quarter. Besides for Rude, unfortunately, potentially having to play Tommy Paul or Korda. And Tsitsipas potentially having to play Cressy. Other than that, this quarter is not so bad. And uh, Fritz with Qualifier, Bedenay, Botic, Van de Zanschkel, Korda to make the quarters. And then I, I have Fritz over Berrettini. Look, Taylor Fritz... I've been high on him. I've been saying he's a top 10 guy. And all he's done so far is proven me correct. That's all he's done. Said it in January that he was playing a top 10 level. And now um, he missed almost all of clay court season. And he did better than pretty much everyone besides, uh, besides Nadal above him in the race at Wimbledon. And didn't get rewarded for it. And he's still 10th in the race. 
Missed all of clay season. Didn't get any points for a run at Wimbledon, which was far superior to pretty much everybody. And he's still 10th in the race. On hard courts, look at his record against top 20 players. Winning, not even 500, winning record. Look at it. Look at all the top 10 wins, the quality wins that he's had. And uh, he's kind of coming off injury, but I think at this point he's playing well. He looked pretty good in that match against Medvedev last week in Cincinnati, even though he didn't win it and fell off in the second set. And uh, I think he's in really good shape here. Early popcorn match I didn't address is Sarundalo versus Murray. And uh, yeah, again, I told you guys that I didn't want to keep putting Murray as popcorn match every single tournament, but what can I say? Nothing else is uh, nothing else is better here. And once again, he draws a seated opponent. I I think it's a horrendous matchup for Andy, though. Um, I think Sarundalo is going to have a lot of time to load up his forehand. Uh, Murray really needs to try to get into the backhand to backhand exchange because the forehand to forehand is going to be trouble for Andy. Okay, let's go to Carlos Alcaraz's quarter. Shall we? Top seeds are Carlitos, Hubert Hercoc, Yannick Sinner, Marin Cilic, Grigor Dimitrov, Dan Evans, Borna Chorich, and Lorenzo Musetti. My dark horse here is Adrian Manorino. If these U.S. Open courts are playing like last year, uh, think about how well Peter Gajavcek played well, uh, how well he played last year. For example... Uh, think about Oscar Atta, how well he played at the U.S. Open last year. These like very flat hitters, you know, craftier guys. And, and I just like how Manorino has played in big matches. Um, now, he's going deep in Winston-Salem. Do I love that? No. Uh, will Manorino hit a physical wall likely at some point? Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen if he's able to make a run. But... I just feel like he's looked pretty dangerous all year long um, at, at points when the when the conditions suit him. You know, obviously, if the court's slow, Manorino might as well... Uh, I'm not going to be too mean, but you get the point. Uh, <laughs> my upset alert here is Hubert Hercoc. Hercoc plays uh, Oscar Atta round one, and Atta hasn't played since Wimbledon. He had an incredible grass court season, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he's injured. I'm assuming he's injured. Why else wouldn't he be playing? But uh, he's back, and I don't know what version of Oscar Atta we're going to get here, but if it is anything like normal Oscar Atta, that's a terrible draw for Hubert Hercoc. That is exactly the guy that gives him trouble. Uh, extreme variety, uh, lots of different spins on the backhand, Lots of off-pace balls, mixing it in with, you know, injections of pace to the forehand to rush the forehand. Uh, Atta's got a big serve. Atta comes to net. Uh, it's just, Hercoc can can become easily confounded when guys are throwing a lot of different things his way. And uh, there's just a lot of pressure on Hubie, unfortunately, right now at the slams, I think. And uh, I don't think this is a good spot for him. I really don't. Uh, however, if he does get through Oscar Atta, and maybe Oscar Atta is going to suck because he hasn't played, you know, that's a possibility. So let's say he gets through Oscar Atta. I do think I have, I have him playing Ilya Avashka in the second round. That's actually a very favorable matchup for Hercoc. That's like the opposite. That's the anti Atta in a way uh, because Avashka just tries to hit through dudes and uh, 
Hercotch is going to be like, cool, I get to stay back and redirect and counterpunch. That's awesome. That's that's what I like. Oh, and Avashka tries to take the return early. Hercotch is going to be like, cool, I'm going to serve way too big for you to do that. All right. Uh, early popcorn. Yeah, I don't love this. I don't really see much of an early popcorn, to be honest. But I'm going to go with Alcaraz versus Baez. I love to watch Baez. I love to watch Alcaraz. How could you go wrong? Early popcorn. Boom. Uh, I do want to say one more note here, though. Uh, there was a charity a charity match uh, or a charity event last night for uh, for Ukraine. I forgot what it was called, but lots of players played. Uh, and they were playing doubles. And Carlos Alcaraz played a doubles match with Taylor Fritz, Tommy Paul, and I think it was Francis Tiafo. And they announced them coming out. Tommy Paul comes out, and Fritz comes out, and blah, blah, blah. And Alcaraz comes out. Oh my God, Alcaraz got the biggest pop from the crowd, and it wasn't even close. Not even close. So um, I really, I think there's a major love affair uh, with the with Alcaraz and the U.S. Open crowd. That's the sense that I got last year, and I think it might on, only be accentuated this year. Uh, there's just, they love him. And I do think Carlos feeds off of that energy. I'm quite high on Alcaraz here, um, and I will leave it at that. Um, no, let me not leave it at that before I get to the predictions. Um, Alcaraz Chorich could be a very interesting third round. I want to quickly address that. Um, Chorich does have some qualities that have bothered Alcaraz, uh, this year, a big serve, apparently uh, this is new, but apparently he's got a big serve and I don't think Alcaraz has put enough returns in play against big servers recently, especially second serve returns. He, um, also has been vulnerable against certain guys who are backhand centric and they can be more consistent backhand to backhand. So Chorich has both of those things. And that has bothered Carlos. However, I do feel that Chorich might not be quite aggressive enough as a player to bother Carlitos on this surface. You know, Alcaraz's offense is going to be really potent, just like it was last year. So I feel like the best bet you have at beating him is to really take charge, to be pretty aggressive, to make him defend, to make him uncomfortable in neutral trading. And I don't quite think Chorich has that. I don't think he's quite aggressive enough as, as a player. Let me get to my quarterfinal prediction now. I have Yannick Sinner defeating Carlos Alcaraz. Real quick, here's the difference between Sinner and Chorich. To me, Sinner's weight of shot in uh, from neutral, in rally, I think Sinner's weight of shot uh, is is extremely bothersome, more so than Chorich's. That's the big difference. So while you might not see Sinner as like a first strike player, he is incredibly offensive because of just how hard he hits every single shot, whether it be a forehand or a backhand. Sinner obviously has beaten Alcaraz twice. Is there a psychological edge there? Yeah, I do. I, I think so. I think Sinner would go into that quarter, this quarterfinal feeling great. And I think Alcaraz would be feeling a lot of pressure as he has as of late. Uh, and, you know, you also have the way Sinner has been returning Alcaraz's serve in these matches. You can't overlook that. Uh, he has been demolishing the kick serve. 
He's had an incredible read on Carlitos' serve, and that's the kind of thing that that is normally something that can continue in this short of a stretch. And I'm I'm high on Sinner. You know, there aren't that many there aren't that many results on the hard court that supports me moving him through to a US Open semifinal here. And that's why he wasn't very high in the power rankings, because in the power rankings I take my opinion out of it. But what he did at Wimbledon is super, super meaningful to me. He showed that in best of five, mentally and and physically, he can bring the goods. And this, to me, is uh, a court that rewards, to be honest, kind of similar skills at this point in time. And Sinner's got a really good draw. Here's the path I have for Sinner. I have him beating Daniel Altmaier, Pedro Martinez, Brandon Nakashima, because I don't know what kind of shape Dimitrov is in here, Adrian Manorino, because I have Hercotch going down at some point to either Atta or Manorino. Um, Gafan is in there as well, by the way. And then he's in the quarters. That is probably the easiest path to the quarters that I have, period. I don't think anybody has an easier path to the quarters. I don't know. Comparable with Fritz, maybe. So, there you have it. Let us move on to the final quarter of this preview. Rafael Nadal's. Top seeds are Nadal. Cameron Nori. Andre Rublev. Diego Schwartzman. Denis Shapovalov. Francis Tiafo. Holger Rune and Miomir Ketsmanovic. A lot of people have uh, been saying that uh, Rafa's got a great draw. Rafa's got a great draw. I am here to tell you that I agree. I agree. It's a really good draw. Rafa should be happy. Uh, let's let's just run through the seeds real quick. Um, should we do that? Yeah, we should. Cam Nori favorable five through eight. Is he the best five through eight? Let's do that now. Let's just, let's see, let's see real quick. So, uh, Nadal could have gotten Felix. I'd rather have Nori. Nadal could have had, um, Rude. Hmm. Okay. I think actually Nori for Nadal, not in general, but for Nadal, Nori is probably tougher. Okay, uh, could have had Hercotch if they played, you know, Hercotch Nadal. Well, maybe the five through eights just aren't. Yeah, okay, so the five through eights aren't awesome, I guess, is what we're finding here, except Felix. I don't think you want Felix here. Um, okay, that was a useful exercise live on the air. Uh, but I think, you know, when you look at Diego Schwartzman, uh, as the highest potential fourth round seed, incredibly favorable. Uh, you look at Francis Tiafo and Ketsmanovic and Holger Rune, who's not in any kind of form. At the end of the day, oh, and Andre Rublev. Whoa, did I miss Rublev? No, no, he's in there. Good. Uh, Andre Rublev. If you're asking me, what's the most dangerous scenario for Rafa? The most dangerous scenario. For me, it's actually 
if Denis Shapovalov somehow makes the quarterfinal. To me, that's the most dangerous scenario because that means that means it's you know the the Dennis that is feeling it, and you don't want that, and you re- you don't normally see that. You know, again, that's maybe five percent of the time or ten percent of the time, but that's probably from a firepower standpoint. That's probably the scariest thing that Nadal has here. Although uh, I don't think Cam Norrie should be entirely slept on because he has really shown. You know, I don't think he's played top guys well is the only thing. Okay, I'm going to stop talking and let's get to the dark horse before I divulge more. Um, Oh, no. I think I missed an early popcorn here. I'll have to do that live. Uh, My dark horse is Jack Sock. Sock, um, as long as the points don't get long and arduous where Sock has fitness issues and players can get it to his backhand and, and he's in trouble... Um, as long as that's not happening with Sock, he uh, he's good when he's also you know very mentally engaged. Uh, he played well in New York last year. He really in- seemed to enjoy the conditions, and I think opportunity is uh, is certainly knocking once again for Jack Sock playing Diego Schwartzman round one. Uh, I do think that that is uh, doable for Jack, and if he gets through that, uh, you know perhaps uh, Jerry. Um, Perhaps Popperin or Shang or Francis Tiafo. You know, I, I do think that there's some opportunity there. So it's Jack Sock. Do I feel overly emphatic about that? Not really. My upset alert is Holger Rune. Uh, he's really struggled. He gets Gayavchek round one. Gayavchek has not been in the best of form. In fact, he's not having a good year. Um, but he was excellent in New York last year. Um, these courts are a little quick for Rune. He's not really serving well enough to have success on um, in these conditions at the moment. And if Rune gets through Gayavchek, it could be Isner round two, who is is tricky. Uh, he's still tricky, Isner. Uh, his body breaks down eventually, round three, round four. Isner's body is usually gone by then, uh, but he can be tricky first couple rounds. There is no doubt about that. My early popcorn. Let me take a gander here because I couldn't pick one. Uh, Fanini Karatsev is interesting, but not. Um, is there just none? Maybe there's just none, and that's why I, I, I left it. I know I didn't leave it blank intentionally, but I'm not really seeing much here, for being honest. Yeah. Chapeau Munar is my, uh, is my, weird hipster interest because it's like the most aggressive player in tennis versus maybe like the most retrieving oriented player in the top 100. So yeah, I kind of like that one. Quarterfinal prediction, Nadal defeats Cam Nori. Here's the path I have for Nadal. Rafa beats uh, the reciprocal Australian wild card who's outside the top 200. Uh, Rinky Hijikata in the first round. Fanini in the second. There's a little bit of a triangle going on. Like, I think Karatsev is a scarier matchup for Nadal. But I think Fanini will beat Karatsev because I think Fanini will have a ton of success counterattacking against Karatsev's aggressive court position. So that's how I see it. Fanini against Nadal. I don't think, uh, I don't think we're going to see a repeat of, what was it 2014? Was that it? Might have my year wrong. Might not. I don't know. The five-set win when he came back from two sets to love down. 
Uh, then he gets Ketsmanovich. Look, Ketsmanovich, little underpowered. Little underpowered against, against a Rafa. Francis Tiafo is who I think is who I have him playing fourth round. And um Yeah. And then Nori. So it's a really good draw. I have my questions about Rafa. I do. He comes in having played one match since Wimbledon. There is a an injury that is a, a scary one, you know, that sometimes takes a little, you know, quite a bit of time in the, in, you know, the abdominal tear. And I worry about how well he's going to serve. I wonder about, about the rhythm, but we know that it's possible for Nadal to play himself into form in the best of five Grand Slam format where you have a day off in between matches, 128, draw 32 seeds, all that. And if there is a draw that is going to allow himself to get his rhythm and play himself in, it is this draw. So with that said, let's go to the final weekend. In the semifinals, I went back and forth on this. Fritz versus PCB. I shudder. I got to be honest. I shudder to think about the nerve management issues in that match. I have questions about Taylor's ability to handle his nerves. I have questions about Karenia Busta's ability to handle his nerves. Again, I put those guys through because I love their draws and I think, you know, I feel good about their levels on hard courts and I, I feel like they're, you know what you're going to get. And Fritz, I'm, I'm a fan of his weapons, PCB. Um, you know, he, he's just so solid and well-rounded. So as much as all of that is true, these guys don't have good nerve management. And if they play each other in the semifinals, ooh-wee. I went with Fritz here because of, uh, I'm not sure, weapons. Weapons is why I went with Fritz. That's pretty much it. It's a tough call. I went back and forth here. Nadal versus um, Sinner. Nadal in four. Um, just thinking about the Nadal Center matchup, I don't have that much to say. Obviously, Center has the kind of backhand that you need in order to play Nadal well. Um, Rafa, you know, Rafa just has a lot more. I guess the concern for Center would be you give Nadal comfortable, uh, you you let Nadal get comfortable, you give him rhythm, which Center does, and. Nadal can really get going with his ability to use his baseline variety, find his forehand, and construct and dictate points with his forehand. Um, you know, Sinner is not someone who is going to be able to serve Nadal off the court. And if Nadal is at his best, he truly is uh, still the best baseliner in the world and Sinner would be having to beat him from the baseline because we know that uh, again, you know, Yannick serve just isn't Yannick serve or his forehand in isolation, his plus one play. It's not going to really be enough to get Nadal out of his comfort zone and take away his rhythm. My prediction to win the U S open Rafael Nadal, 
defeats Taylor Fritz in three sets. I think at that point there would be no doubt about how much better Nadal could uh, handle that occasion compared to Taylor Fritz. Um, not to mention the return of serve being uh, a, a huge X factor there. Again, Fritz is another great backhand who plays Nadal well and beat him at Indian Wells, but uh, I, I do think the intangibles would take over in that hypothetical. You know I don't like to break down these hypothetical matches too much, um, especially in the final weekend, but uh, the way I see this going is uh, I came in with questions about Nadal. Essentially, I feel like the Red Sea is parting for him. And uh, that's not to take any... I feel silly saying this before the tournament even starts, right? Do I really have to say that's not taking credit away from Nadal? Uh, look, it's not. You know, sometimes great players, he's the number two darn seed, okay? You got a good draw. It happens. It's happened to Novak. It's happened to Roger. It'll happen to many others. Nadal's had tough draws. Let's not go crazy over this. Let's not be silly in the comment section over this. Nadal got a good draw. I think that's a key. And I really see him having a uh, a path to the title, potentially, that could resemble like a 2017 where he had, I don't think that easy, to be honest with you. Uh, I wouldn't think so. But where he had just a fantastic path and he was the class of the entire field. And that's what could happen. And it's not Nadal's fault that, um, it's not Nadal's fault that if that were to happen, you know. I do think the top half in general has more potential you know, I think some more threats. I haven't done the numbers and see, like, how many players in the power rankings are on the top, how many on the bottom. Like, I haven't ran those numbers, but I do feel like the, 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 the top is a little bit scarier than the bottom. On the bottom, you know, the main contenders, you know, Sinner, uh, Alcaraz, Rafa, right? Where on the top, I think that there's more possibility. You have that, you know, Medvedev, Kyrgios, uh, Tsitsipas. Fritz, Rude, uh, you, you have a couple of more, I don't know, if Rude, uh, Felix, you know, I still think it, if Felix plays his best, these conditions are awesome for him, and with that first serve and the forehand, if he's consistent, that's 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 going to be a nightmare. So, yeah, I do feel like the top half has a little bit more, but the way I see this going is I see a very chaotic tournament. I see a lot of surprising results going down. As you can tell by my predictions, not that I'm going to be right on, on all of these. And I think Nadal becomes the beneficiary here. And Nadal wins major number 23. God, what a, what a 2022 that would be if he won number uh, if, if he won three majors here. Um, who would have thought? And again, I didn't come into this. I didn't come in here knowing that I was going to pick Rafa. I really didn't. I had no idea. This was me looking at the draw and taking what the draw gave me um with that said obviously nadal came in as uh one of the players i i certainly i certainly regarded as you know i <laughs> needless to say top contender top contender and again i mean just so much more intangibles mentally than the rest of the field i will leave it at that Enjoy this U.S. Open, everybody. Again, I don't know what the content is going to look like, but I'm going to try to uh, catch up with uh, catch up 
and do as much as I can. Maybe some shorter kind of random topic by topic videos, but I do not know. It will be a whirlwind. I am looking forward to it. I will share all of my experiences at the very least with you guys after the tournament, after the coverage of the semifinals and the finals. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the event. Um, say hi if you see me at the U.S. Open. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next time.